Welcome to Mormons on Mushrooms. In this podcast, we discuss alternative methods for healing from trauma and seeking a fulfilling life. We often discuss triggering topics, and we ask that you make your personal mental health a priority. In addition, the opinions offered by our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the hosts of this podcast. If you'd like to support the program, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash Mormons on Mushrooms. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Okay, we're recording as of right now. Okay. Awesome. Okay. It says recording. I mean, good good luck me trying to find out where this audio file goes, but <laughs> we'll yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, we've spent the last 20 minutes trying to figure out the Mercury. I can't say Mercury. I keep Mercury, Mercury. retrograde issues that we've been having. But we're back. We're here. <laughs> and Ooh. we have Ashley Easter with us. Woo. Hello, Ashley. Hello. Thank you. This has been a long time coming. and we're I know here. it. Yeah. So I, I am just really excited to have you on. <laughs> Yeah, Ashley is a, a good friend, and she is amazing, and she advocates for abuse survivors and does all of these, like, webinars and lives and before the pandemic, like, big old conventions, and she's just, like, the real deal, and she's also a cult survivor, and we can't wait for you to hear her story because it's wild. <laughs> yeah, cult survivors, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I'll just, yeah, I'll just add, Ashley, I remember... Um, I was, you and we were trying to figure out getting you on much earlier, Yeah, but you, but you had a, uh, you had an upcoming convention. So it kind of scheduling didn't work, but I remember driving up the Canyon in an RV to Zion national park. And I was also, I shouldn't admit this, but I was also trying to text you and like figure <laughs> out scheduling and stuff like that. So I'm really I'm excited okay. to chat with you. This is a long time coming. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm I'm really honored to be here. And I've listened to, I don't know, I've probably like 10 or 12 of your episodes and like, they're just all so good. And so I'm, I'm excited. I love how deep you all go like really quickly. This is not like a small talk show. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we tend to dive in when, you know, just yeah. like cannonball into the deep end. <laughs> so, yeah. so let's cannonball in a little bit. I mean, so Ashley, uh, introduce yourself. Okay. Yeah. So I'm Ashley. I, um, am a cult survivor. Like Shalif says, I do, um, a lot of work with abuse survivors, particularly those who've left toxic religious groups, cult-like religious groups, abusive relationships, those types of things. Um, I'm the founder of a nonprofit called Courage 365, and that's where we host our events. And, um, we couldn't do like a formal event in person in 2020, but we did the 30 days of courage event and that was awesome. Um, but then I also do work around intuition and I help people tap into their intuition for safety, abundance and success. And as an abuse survivor, intuition has really been the thing that saved my life and helped me break free. Um, yeah, so it, it was kind of a natural fit to have an intuition business alongside my work with abuse survivors. 
I'm excited to talk about that because both Shalise and I took your intuition course. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so good. And I think it's so important for people who are cult survivors, because that's one thing that we all, we talk about on our podcast is that uh-huh. leaving the Mormon church in one hand, they taught us to tap into our intuition mm-hmm. through like filling the spirit, quote unquote. Right. But then they also confuse the hell out of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then leaving, you just don't know. I don't know how to trust myself anymore. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know what I can trust. What's my intuition? What's my ego? What's right. It be, all becomes a jumbled mess. And so I think it's going to be very important for people to That's hear good. this. Yeah. 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 So let's talk about your cult a little bit. Okay. Tell us us your crazy, your background story. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll try to do like the nutshell version and I'll explain some different terms, but um, if at any point you don't understand something I'm talking about because we used weird lingo as cults (laughs) do, um, (laughs) then feel free to stop me and say, explain that a little more. Um, Yeah. But I grew up in an independent fundamentalist Baptist church And both of my grandfathers were pastors in this denomination. One of my grandfathers was a pastor in the North and one was in the South. And we lived near the grandfather who was a pastor in the South. So I went to that church from the time I want to say I was like, I don't know, like two weeks old, something like that. I was like very young and was in the church. And that quickly became like my entire life because it was my family's entire life. And it was my family's business, you know, particularly my grandfather. Um, It was a very strict uh, community, lots of legalistic rules, uh, lots of stuff around gender roles and um, just, you know, wild stuff like movie theaters are evil, you know, (laughs) like going to movie (laughs) theaters wrong. And, you know, just the whole purity culture thing that I'm sure you've talked about on your show. But so in just addition to, to that, just to ask about that, so is it just going to a movie theater? Could you watch movies at home, but not in? Yeah, a you could watch oh. them at home, but you wouldn't want to lead somebody astray by them thinking that you were going into a bad movie. Also, uh. <laughs> if you are a skillful person, you could anticipate the bad parts and fast forward through them at home and skip that part and still watch the rest of the movie. So, you know. <laughs> or if you're not that skillful, uh, my wife always tells a story about her dad growing up where he, they'd watch movies and he'd try to mute the bad parts, but he'd, he'd, he'd managed to mute everything <laughs> but the swear words. And so. <laughs> <laughs> That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, I guess that was one of those things where if you got it wrong, you just cowered in guilt. Like, you know, I have, you know, displeased <laughs> the Lord, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like growing up in this church community, you know, that's one thing, very isolating. And some could argue that that in itself was a cult-like church. Um, But then on top of that, I was homeschooled and homeschooling can be a great choice for some families. I mean, right now, lots of people are homeschooling because of the pandemic. Some people homeschool because their child is going to be an Olympic athlete. You know, some people homeschool for strictly educational, you know, reasons, lots of reasons, but um, basically our family homeschooled for religious reasons. And so I like to put it like this, you know, um, you got the homeschool movement and then inside that are these other smaller movements. And we were in a smaller movement called the patriarchy movement. And yeah, it was actually called that the patriarchy movement. Um, that was actually the name of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, kind of gives things away with the title. Um, 
But basically, it's this, you know, idea of adherence to the patriarchy. Men have power and control over women in the home, church, and oftentimes in society. A woman's role in life is to submit to men, first your father, then your husband, sometimes your pastor, and depending on who you ask, maybe all men in general. Uh, I think one of our famous theologians, if you want to call him that, um, John MacArthur, he said that women should take a position of submission to all men. And so like it was, it could be taken to extreme for sure. Um, But yeah, so women were supposed to submit to men, um, get married young, have uh, lots of babies and, you know, say yes to sex, that whole thing. So homeschooling movement uh, inside of that is the uh, patriarchy movement. And then inside of the patriarchy movement, there's other like smaller movements. And this one that we were part of was called the quiverful movement. And so they take a verse out of Psalms, um, like really out of context, you know, even for, you know, even just evangelicals, like it's taken out of context, but basically children are like arrows and a mighty man's quiver. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. So if you want to be a blessed man, you're going to want to have a lot of arrows in your quiver, arrows meaning children. So a woman's job is to birth all those children. And then because there are these arrows, when they grow up, you're supposed to shoot them out into the world. So they sink into different sectors of society, like the home, church, media, schools, government, all the things. Um, and I remember as a teenager listening to a lecture that taught us about the 200 year plan. And so basically the 200 year plan is this, you have 10 children or more, and then those 10 children have 10 children, then those 10 children have 10 children, those, and after 200 years, you have this astronomical amount of descendants, probably your friends going to church are doing the same. So you could all completely dominate the world through overpopulation and be, shot out like arrows into these important sectors. And basically you could take over the world with this patriarchal ide- ideology. So I'm multi-level marketing to the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is you're like breeding your clients, like versus even trying to convince people, like it was better than evangelism because like you're creating your own people to dominate the world. Um, so, okay. Homeschooling movement inside of that's patriarchy movement. Inside of that is the quiverful movement. It's kind of like those um, Russian nesting dolls. You know how they just like stack yeah. into each other. <laughs> the very last doll in the center. That was also a movement I was a part of called the stay-at-home daughter movement. And this was a movement that was created sort of as a reaction to feminism. And also, basically, they took this idea of, you know, if adult women who are married are supposed to submit to their husbands, like, what the hell do we do with unmarried adult women? Like we cannot just have them not submitting to anyone. That would be a travesty. Like how could they take care of themselves? So we'll have the stay at home daughter movement. Well, they will submit to their fathers until they're given away in marriage to a man that they then submit to. And um, the giving away marriage could be literal or metaphorical. We also practice like courtships. It was not, you know, traditional dating where there was, there was a lot of parental say it wasn't quite arranged marriage, but you know, towards that side of the scale. Um, so yeah, I experienced a lot of abuse in that movement, not surprisingly. Um, and one of those abusive situations was a uh, romantic relationship where I was in a courtship. We actually got engaged and got closer to the wedding date. Thankfully, I was able to realize listening to my intuition <laughs> that um, this wasn't something I could go through with. Ended the engagement, and then you know all the 
common things that go with abuse trauma, you know, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, you know, just extreme panic and all the things. Um, and that lasted really strongly for about a year. And as most survivors know, like you don't just get over it. So, you know, there's still some days where it affects me, but the heaviest part lasted for those for that year. Um, but the thing that kind of started to pull me out of it, I remember, um, I would stay up late at night because that was the only time you could have time alone in a, you know, moderate sized family. Um, so I'd stay up late at night and I didn't want to sleep because I would have like panic attacks and nightmares when I slept, but I didn't want to be awake because I would think about it and I just felt stuck. And so I would like turn on my, um, air, AirPods. Well, it wasn't AirPods then. This is a while ago. Uh, my earbuds <laughs> in and like turn music up really loud just to kind of like drown out the sound of my own mind. But there was one night where I was doing that and I had contemplated suicide, you know, very recently. And I was just like, it's not so much that I want to die. I just can't do this anymore. And I had this, it was like a feeling and a voice that came over me, like an internal voice. It was like this, felt like a heavy weight that kind of rested on me. And, you know, it, it didn't feel bad, but it just felt weighty. And then I heard this voice in my head that I, this is not something that I was thinking about. Like it came up without me consciously conjuring it. It was just, it's going to be okay. Something big, something good's about to happen. It's going to be okay. Something big, something good's about to happen. It just repeated in my mind over and over. And kind of by that time I was like on the floor, like, this is scary. What's happening to me. Um, yeah. And at here, the time I probably stop further. I just want to soak this in just for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I talk fast. <laughs> no, but this is good. Cause um, yeah, there's a lot there. And uh, one thing, just the whole stay at home daughter thing that just gives me like yeah. the creeps. I mean, I think of just yeah. like Rapunzel. Like, locking <laughs> in your tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. I mean, it seems like the, whatever, you know, you grew up in, it, I think a lot of Mormons can relate. Right. It's just like your cult uh, was a lot less shameless about it. Maybe, like, maybe more on the <laughs> nose calling themselves like patriarchal thing. I mean, Mormons believe in the same thing, like as far as populating the earth and birthing babies, yeah. but we're not quite as overt on about the it. Nose. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, we're talking about it. We listen to lectures. <laughs> yeah. Passive aggressive Mormon style, I guess, is how right. <laughs> or like that video I sent you guys, it's cult light. Mormonism yeah. is like cult, cult light. light. <laughs> I love that. Well, yeah. And so it's fascinating to me. And going back to because you had your headphones on at the time. Yeah. And you're trying to drown out that the ego, the, the voice in right. your head. Yeah. And maybe in a way it did or enough for your intuition to break through. Maybe. I think that's yeah. what happened. Huh. Yeah. 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 Well, even music can be a form of meditation when you get in that mm-hmm. trance zone. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you remember what you were listening to? No, I mean, I'm, I'm no for certain it was Christian music. Um, I think I, I don't know if this was it at the time, but I had started like sneaking behind my parents' back and listening to like Christian rap from Lecrae. I don't know if you heard about him, but you know, it could have been that. It could have been 
I don't know, some other Christian music, but they had banned like um, contemporary Christian. It was, you know, mainly like Southern gospel and hymns. And so it wasn't like Backstreet Boys or. Oh yeah. No, no, that was, <laughs> that was evil. No. That's what I was going to say. So you can't listen to anything except for Christian music. Well, I mean, there were exceptions and the rules weren't very straightforward. So my dad, when he was a teenager, he liked to listen to the Beach Boys. And I suspect that was like a rebellious thing. Um, So he let us listen to Beach Boys, um, which is interesting, especially because, you know, it's like round, round, round. I get around, you know, like stuff that obviously went around (laughs) away from our belief system. But that was okay. But like, you know, listening to Beyonce would have been like, (gasps) Yeah, I've never mm. thought of the Beach Boys. I, I've listened, listened to that song so many times, but I've never like I get around, get around. Mm-hmm. I just thought like they got, <laughs> they just got around. It, I don't know. No, they, they got, got around. around. <laughs> today, He's gonna make a record break, Mike. It's, <laughs> I mean, record breaking is a little bit uh, sacrilegious and evil. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys even hear me? Should I? Well, yeah. Well, okay. yeah, we can hear you. It was a little quiet, like, and you came in quiet, but. Just yeah, speak I'm... loud. <laughs> All right. Doug, yeah, I guess Doug. Mercury doesn't want you in this episode. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but we do. So speak up. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you have this big realization. You're on the floor. You're freaked out. Something yeah. is telling you everything's going to be okay. And is that the moment that everything switched for you and you decided to make a change? Not exactly. And first of all, I would say at the time, I thought it was like God speaking to me. And so um, I think that's like a, an interesting debate is the intuition God, you know, there's, you know, all, all those kinds of questions. But at the time, I thought it was the God defined as defined in the cult. So I've kind of evolved my thinking into believing it's intuition. And, and maybe, maybe God Well, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it, and I, I almost hate to say this because I don't want to minimize the pain of survivors. And I will 100% say I still struggle with PTSD, but the harshness of the depression and the suicidal thoughts, like they left, like when that happened. Um, and from then, I was still very much in the cult, but I started kind of looking at other things, just, just this a little bit outside of my comfort zone. And there was a woman who went to our church very briefly and was like, this is not for me. Um, and uh, she worked at a coffee shop. She entered and invited me to come to the coffee shop. Um, and when I met her there, she introduced me to this guy. He also identified as Christian, but he believed in equality for women, which was like, <gasps> shocking to me. Um, and so um I think he used a bit of street epistemology on me, but, you know, he kept just like asking <laughs> questions um, of me and I didn't have the answers. He was, you know, shocked that I was a stay-at-home daughter and, you know, all my yeah. wild beliefs. And I didn't really want to deal with it. Like I tried to push him aside, but he kept talking to me and asking these questions I couldn't answer, you know, like, well, if you believe in a loving God, why would a loving God want you to have to be subordinate to men for the rest of your life. And I was like, because he said so, you know, <laughs> you know, did you, and like did you it feel didn't at the feel, time? I was like, Oh, that's a good question. Um, uh, did you feel at the time that like your beliefs were like, 
far from the norm? Had, did you know that at least? Or I mean, I no, guess, I didn't. Yeah. I I didn't. Okay. I mean, I knew that there were worldly people out there that were, you know, led astray by the devil and feminism. But I mean, I thought, you know, most Christians probably believe similar to I did. And so like, even like, I, I do not define as an evangelical. I'm a lot more liberal than that. Um, but like evangelicalism mainstream would have been shocking. Like the Southern Baptist convention was liberal to us. Um, oh, wow. yeah. 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 And you yeah. know what, if as a Mormon, if you're going to meet a worldly man, you're going to meet him in a coffee shop. You should know that. <laughs> <laughs> ba- coffee is called Baptist booze. If you haven't heard that, so we did not have a problem with coffee. <laughs> So this was your first exposure to kind of recognizing the severity of your beliefs or recognizing that, oh, this might not be normal and questioning your beliefs, but also getting extremely defensive, which is, I think, something that we've all done when someone has approached us saying like, hey, you should really look into the CES letter or this or that. And you're like, that's not true. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like he asked these questions and then I kind of, you know, I left and he found me on Facebook and he would keep asking questions like poking at me. And like the stereotype is true. Um, homeschoolers are notoriously good debaters. I was like to get him off my back. I'm going to have to debate him. I realized the irony now I was trying to debate in favor of women's submission by convincing a man who should have been my authority by my worldview. <laughs> <laughs> I see that now at the time that was lost to me. Um, but to be a good debater, you have to know yeah. their argument better than they do. So you can know their weak points, kick the legs from underneath them. So I started <laughs> studying feminism and I started, you know, looking up all these different articles and research and stuff. And it was for the purpose of proving him wrong. But the more I read it, the more I was like, oh, damn, I think this might make more sense. I think this is more logical. I think I can even square this with, you know, being a Christian. And that was the point where like everything changed because I convinced myself we didn't have to have the debate. Um, But it was a terrifying time because my family was not pleased. You know, the only community I really had was from that church. And of course they were in opposition to um, equality, feminist beliefs. Um, It was a really scary time. Um, and I think we had like eight hours of intense, we'll call it discussion with my parents, you know, them trying to, you know, just kind of bring me back into the fold and that kind of stuff. Um, and I finally told him, I was like, you know, I'm either going to need to be treated as an adult because I wasn't as an adult woman. I was 21 at the time. And if I can be treated as that, I will still live in your house because they you know, wanted that. And I was, I didn't have much of a job. Um, or I'm going to have to leave and I'll take my crappy car and I'll just go and figure it out. So we had sort of this ultimatum and they, you know, had me stay at the home, kind of had these rules where when I was physically in the house, I had to obey the rules. But when I got in my car and drove away, I could have my own rules. Didn't work that well. Um, but I started doing all the If you wanted to in your car or What's that? You could go to a movie theater if you wanted to. Right. Well, and I did. I snuck out because I was like, hey, I'm going to do this. And I told my parents, I'm like, I'm going to stay at my friend's house and we're going to have a movie night. And just 
we were, but we actually decided to go to the movie theater to have it. You know? Wait, so were you 21 when you went to your first movie? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And were you engaged still at this point? No, no. This I had broken it off before I asked the questions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I did rebellious stuff. Yeah. Like going to the movie theater, listening to Taylor Swift and turning up what? the bass in my car. That was amazing. Oh, um, <laughs> And I learned swing dancing and I started dating behind my parents' back. And that's when I eventually met and now have married my husband, Will, who was fantastic. He physically rescued me out of there. Well, I changed I just, ideologically. I, I couldn't really leave until, you know, I got married to him. So, yeah. I just love how for any non-cult survivors who might be listening, that your rebellious stage was listening to Taylor <laughs> Swift with the bass up, going to movie theaters. And going swing dancing. <laughs> so swing dancing wasn't, or dancing wasn't allowed either? Oh, no. There was even a section in our church bylaws that forbid dancing. Like at all? Not even? Yeah, like at all. Just by yourself. You couldn't even like have a groove? Well, I mean, you probably wouldn't like get excommunicated for that. But, you know, <laughs> um, it was frowned upon. Wow. So you were saying about your husband. So you met your husband and you're now husband. Yes. And we got married when I was 22. So things happened fast. Like we dated for four months. We were engaged for four months and we've been married for um, like six and a half years, six years in November. So not half yet. Um, But yeah, he, he did not come from the same community. Um, His family was still conservative, but not, not like my family. And he was very understanding about the abuse. Um, he didn't know everything he was getting into would marry a cult survivor. But in my defense, I didn't know either. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, he created this safe space for me to grow and heal and keep exploring um, without judgment and also just learn to be an adult, um, you know, in a safe space where I was treated, you know, with dignity. But also, like, I didn't know how to live in the real world. Um, so he gave me that opportunity and then I started writing about abuse experiences I'd had, um, on my blog and so many people reached out that I started a conference that sold out the first year, um, which eventually has led into a nonprofit. And, um, yeah, one of the things I'm kind of proud of is they told me that women cannot become ordained. And I got ordained, (laughs) not in the Baptist church, (laughs) but real quick, I wanted to back up and there's two things. The first, and maybe I'm making this up, but wasn't your husband, the one that you met in the coffee shop? No. Oh, okay. That was someone else. Everybody asked that, but he wasn't. Um, yeah, he wasn't. And then the, the second thing I wanted to say was, I also want to bring up the fact that you were blogging before you left the church, how to yeah. be like the model. Yes, citizen. How to be and then when you left, you're blogging about how to not be like, I just love that you went both ways. I mean, can you talk <laughs> about how that kind of blows your mind now? Probably it must, right? Yeah, I mean, it does. And I think what I was doing, um, because I wanted to have leadership abilities, 
And at the time, the only way I could see being a leader was in a church community, but that wasn't allowed for women. So I did stuff like I sang in church. You couldn't preach in church if you're a woman, but you could sing a sermon, which is interesting. You could say a testimony, but you couldn't preach. You could write a blog that was essentially a sermon, but you couldn't speak it out loud in front of people. So I was always like looking for these loopholes to have my voice heard, but always doing them within the confines of like what was allowed. Um, so then when I left that and I was like, oh, I can just do whatever I want. Um, then I started writing on a new blog and um, really let my voice be heard, took speaking engagements. And um, yeah, I think they wish I would shut up again, but sorry, guys. <laughs> <too late. laughs> well, Doug, are you are you good now? Are you like, well, I'm going to. Try speaking. Am I echoing? Loud no, and clear. No, you're good, you're good buddy. Okay. Doug's here. <laughs> yeah, I have so many questions. Yeah, go for it. Um, so obviously before you kind of went through like meeting the guy in the coffee shop and having the ultimatum with your parents, you had already broken off your engagement. Yeah. So what was that relationship? So were your parents already sort of watching and saying, oh, she might be a rebellious woman? What was the relationship like there? Um, yeah. So when I was very young, um, I, I, I was a willful person. I, you know, thought my own thoughts and, you know, was just exploring the world. Um, you know, normal developmental stages. But then at four, um, my grandfather, my family thought I was too rebellious. So my parents, um, they went away and took my brother. I don't, I remember the, the impression that I got from it was they were leaving because I was too much. I was too rebellious. Um, and maybe that's not what they said. Maybe that's just what I felt from it, but that was the impression I got. And I stayed with my um, grandmother and grandfather, they came over to, you know, our house and stayed with us. And, um, I don't know what set my grandfather off, um, or how he set me off. Cause he would do a lot of things that were, I don't know, a little bit on the side of torture. Like, you know, um, here's your beloved childhood blanket that you love and is your only security. And so I'm going to pretend to throw it away um, outside and just watch you cry, that kind of thing. And then laugh. So I don't know if I was provoked. I can't remember that, but that was the kind of environment. Um, so they thought I was rebellious. Um, they'd even done like a quote unquote, um, exorcism on me when I was an infant because they thought I was so what? rebellious. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, oh, I haven't infant. told you that. <laughs> yes. An infant, like how old infant? Um, like not being able to speak, like, couple weeks old they said I cried too much and so they thought it was a demon so they did like an exorcism on me yeah that's so crazy how do you exercise a baby um I wasn't you know I don't remember but I was told this story in my childhood and also my father decided to surprise me and tell that story in front of a bunch of people at church (laughs) while I was present which is embarrassing when you're 11 years old (sighs) um yeah, they said I would just scream and cry as a baby, which I don't know, I probably had colic. Um, 
but they said, um, yeah, my father, you know, believed it was a demon. So he prayed in the name of Jesus that the demon would leave. And they said, I arched my back and I screamed and then fell instantly asleep. And, you know, Holy wasn't shit. that crying that much again? And I was like, um, so you Wait, go out my- thinking that like the demon possessed you. So there's obviously something wrong with you if the demon was attracted. You know, Mike, they, we can't fe- they hear failed. You. Yeah, I was on mute. I didn't realize that. They failed. They failed to get that demon out. They failed to get yeah. the rebellious side of you out. So maybe if they had some witches there instead of the fucking patriarchy, they could have gotten the <laughs> demon out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think the demon was probably just thinking, like, this is a fucking cult. I can tell I'm just an infant. Get me out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. What happens. But yeah, at four years old, when I was staying with my grandparents, my grandfather took me to the fourth bedroom and I won't go into all the details, but it was a very traumatic event. Um, you know, I went into all the stages of fight, flight, or freeze. Um, basically, he got me to a point of submission, and I realized that if I didn't start submitting, like I, he was too too strong and powerful for me, and there was no option but to submit. Um, and so I, at four years old, vowed to be, you know, a good submissive girl, and then to mark that occasion. My grandfather took me to Kroger's grocery store and bought me a white carnation and then some red food coloring. And he put that red food coloring in the vase so the flower would drink it up and change colors. And he said that was significant of my change from being you know, rebellious to submissive. Um, so it was a very traumatic event. Um, but that was like brought up all throughout my childhood. Like at every family gathering, they would tell that story and laugh and laugh about how funny it was day Ashley learned to submit, you know, he would tell anybody I was interested in romantically that story that he was the one who got me to submit. Um, so, you know, at that phase, that's when I became submissive until I started leaving the cult around 21. Yeah. Wow. Man, I just want some silence there for a minute. Sorry. It's like, that's a lot. (laughs) It was a lot. Yeah. Religiously, what? Where do you stand now? Yeah, um, I would say that I'm probably culturally Christian, um, very much to the liberal side of things. Um, I identify God more as like an energy um, of the universe versus like a supreme being who wrote a book and told us exactly what to do i think you know sacred texts can have some useful things in them and they can have some really crappy things in them but people just wrote what they what their impression of god was um and so yeah i'm cool with people believing however they want to believe i think the idea of hell was created just to scare people so i i think that's bs um yeah so i I would say culturally Christian and, you know, very open to spirituality and um, other ways of viewing God than, than in my childhood. But I love how even through all of your struggles and pain, you still had a way of following your intuition in ways. It never was completely diminished. It was always there. And then especially that night that you described it was like, I'm here and you're going to listen. Yeah. That was like the final show. I was like, I've been trying to talk to you and whisper in your ear for so long. And now yes. I want you to know that I'm here. And so mm-hmm. I wanted you to talk about how 
uh, following your intuition led you to some really interesting ancestral things? Yes. Yes. Um, so I have so many intuition stories, but I think the one I want to share about is, um, I really started listening to my intuition again when I started asking all those questions, help me leave the cult. And there's different stories in there about how it was helpful. But in, I guess it was, I think 2017. So I've been out of the cult since 2014. I got married in November, 2014. And um, I was at this retreat, uh, sort of a leadership slash spirituality retreat. And there was a woman who was leading um, a meditation. And this is maybe the first time I'd tried meditation before. And we just kind of sat in a circle and um, she, she guided us through it. And then she asked us to think about something that we know intuitively without actually factually knowing it. Something we know about our family history that we don't really know, but we know. Um, and the thing that instantly came up for me and popped into my mind several times um, after that was, uh, I think that I probably had some women ancestors who were burned at the stake for being called witches. Um, and that feels very similar to kind of my experience as a survivor coming forward with my story and, you know, all the ways I had been treated as a woman. But I didn't know that nobody had talked about that. And nobody would ever talk about any of my female ancestors like that was just not a conversation that my family had. Um, and I thought that was, you know, interesting. But, you know, it was just a gut feeling. Well, I think it was 2019 Christmas time, my husband and I decided to get our um, ancestry DNA kits. And so I got my kit taken and I knew this, but it confirmed that I had a lot of Scottish ancestry, um, also some German and French and some other things, but, um, it kind of got me to a place not long after where I was like, you know what, I'm going to just kind of research some of my Scottish ancestry. Brody is my mother's maiden name. And I just started researching. I was like thinking of that intuitive hit I'd had. And so I just typed in like Brody family history, witchcraft. And there was two women who are my great, great grandmothers, you know, back in the 1600s, who um, Margaret and Agnes, they were mother and daughter, and they were killed by um, some of the local people um, for being, quote unquote, witches. And there's actually like a book written about them, um, just like a little passage where they're in there. But, you know, it's on the witchcraft killing list. Um, that you can find in the records. Wow. And it was also interesting and felt also in line with my trauma moving forward was that one of the men on the council to decide who would be killed was also a Brody man. So just seeing the family trauma happening then and then happening in my life moving forward, I was like, wow, my intuition was spot on. And it was kind of a heavy moment to realize that what had happened to me was really something that seemed to be a part of epigenetics and DNA passing. Um, but then also to be the one to maybe break that for women moving forward um, and repair that DNA. But that was a lot. 
That was wow. So you're saying it was hmm. one of your actual family members, Brody family members, was one of the men who decided that your grandparents were going to be burned? Well, he was on the council, so I assume so. <clears throat> Whoa. And now you experience that same exact thing, being really repressed by your own family and being essentially burned at the stake for what you're doing. So yeah, you right. are breaking a cycle within your family. Yeah. 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 I think like there were so many different points in my life where I, I felt like I was the only one doing this, like being like, Hey, this is weird. Why, <laughs> why, why are these the rules? Um, but then to kind of know that, all right, my grandmother's, have, you know, I, I don't know if they were actually identifying themselves as witches. They could have just been outspoken. They could have been landowners. Um, in the story, they were accused by another woman. So um, she basically did that to save her own life. So I don't know exactly what they were like, but to know other women just for being women were discriminated against. It's like, okay, I'm not alone in this. And I'm not the only one who's seen that this is not a good system. Did Doug, you were you going to say something? Yeah, I, was wa- <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Doug. I saw Doug come to the mic, unmute himself. And I'm like, okay, Doug's got something to say. <laughs> I, I don't have anything to say. I'm just blown away with the way we have historically treated women. Yeah. And this is just kind of breaking my heart a little bit. So I don't have like a, follow-up question about their brand of witchcraft. I just, how did, we got to cut me just kind of like blabbering here, but how did you get away from that? I I know you just told the story, but how did you find that in yourself? Because we talk a lot about leaving Mormonism, but that wasn't, I still have a relationship with my family. Yeah. I still have, uh, I'm still welcome in, I could go to church tomorrow and be fine. Right. How did you do this? You know, I've asked myself that question a hundred times. Like, why did I get out? And there's so many people that I know and love that are still in it. Why didn't my mom get out? Why didn't my grandmother get out? Why didn't my sister get out? Um, but the only thing I could come up with is I just listened to my intuition and I believe that everybody has that voice. Sometimes it can be really suppressed and quiet, but for some reason I was just like, I have to trust this thing. I mean, it's, it's gotta be better to try this than to keep going through what I'm going through. So like the actual steps, then would you say? You literally just took one step at a time. You would get an intuitive hit, follow that, get another one, follow that in a way that slowly but surely led you away from all of it. I think so. So that first, you know, thing that, you know, I heard that voice in my head, um, I started doing a lot of questioning, but like questioning that was okay. Like, maybe stretching a little bit further than people are comfortable, basically staying within the lines. But when I, you know, started 
getting the questions from that guy. Um, and I talked to my parents and there was just like, we didn't treat people very well who disagreed with us. There were even, um, like my uncle can attest to it, that he believed differently, acted differently than my family and he wasn't treated well. And I had only ever been on the side of the holy ones, but as soon as I was on the side of like, you know, not holy, like the entire way that they approached me, like I'd never experienced that much overt um, pressure, you know, you're rebellious, rebellion is of the sin of witchcraft, you know, you're acting like a child. Um, so I locked myself in my bedroom and I would, I did that for a while and I shared it with my sister. So I'm sorry for her that she had to come to the bedroom for a bit. She probably wanted to get away from people too, but I just locked myself in there and it was like, I could hear myself think again. I could hear my intuition again when I just like blocked out everybody and like had like a physical door lock barricade, you know? Um, and it led me to like go search state home daughters online and be like, Oh, wow. Other people are having experiences just like me. Oh, here's this book about state home state home daughters who have left and huh, their parents exactly acted exactly the way mine are acting right now. Maybe I'm not crazy. Um, (laughs) and you know, it's one of those things where you, you pull out one piece like patriarchy that your whole life is built on. And when you remove that, like everything else is up for grabs because everything was, you know, stacked onto that. It's like a Jenga tower. You pull out one block and it crumbles. So, um, my intuition was just like, keep asking the questions, keep asking the questions. And is it really bad for you to go swing dancing? Is it really bad for your friend to set you up on a date and you not tell your parents? Um, so how? Yeah, because I mean, we hinted at this at the beginning of the episode. And by the way, you have a great resource available for people. That's intuition versus ego. Yeah, and you seem to have like a intuitive knack for it of like tapping into that. And you know, I was talking about you know before we kind of started getting into your story about how hard it is for cult survivors to, mm-hmm. or just anyone really, you know, to, to distinguish, okay, what is my ego or what is my intuition and what is my ego? And how did you start to, I mean, did you, did it feel different to you at the time? How did you, how did you know that was your intuition Yeah. during those moments? It sounded different than everything else. Everything else was based in fear, based in anxiety, panic, control, There was a lot of chaos, a lot of expectations from outside sources. Basically, the ego is rooted in fear. And I don't think the ego is a bad thing, necessarily. It's there to keep us alive. And so it's going to use fear to get our attention. It has a limited perspective, so it's not always correct for the things it's you know showing us yeah. in in fear. Um, but we don't want to eradicate it or you know have the ego die completely. Like it's a useful tool. But the intuition, it comes from a place of love and expansion. It comes from a place of like, okay, you're scared. But what if there was this wonderful possibility here? Um, what if there's life beyond this? It, it comes from a place that's very calm. It comes from a place that uh, usually is kind of quiet. The ego is really noisy. It's scattered. It's chaotic. You'll have a bunch of questions. Intuition is just like one thought simple thought, you know, like, 
this is the right way to go. Don't trust that person. You're going to be okay. And it's, it's really matter of fact. There's usually not a, a lot of emotion attached to it. It's just calm, clear, and it comes from a place of love and expansion. And so when I heard that and everything in my life was chaos, I could, I could tell the difference. Um, this, this was a different voice than, than everything else I'd heard. I even get the image of you in your room, like trying to drown out the noise, you know, all the noise, noise to drown out the noise. And then that's when it came through and said, you're going to, something's coming. You're going to be okay. Right. And that's a big thing when you're trying to tap into your intuition, the ego is so loud and other people's voices are so loud. So sometimes your intuition will be able to just pop up and you'll hear it, feel it, experience it. But a lot of times um, you've got to block things out. And one of the great ways of doing that is through meditation. That's why I got that whole ancestral story that came up through meditation because I blocked out the ego and the other voices was just listening in. Um, sometimes it's getting away from other people, getting into nature. Um, you know, other things are just asking your uh, intuition questions and having a dialogue with it. Uh, you have a dialogue with your ego all the time. You're like, should I do this? Should I not? Should I do this? Should I not? You know, and that's happening. But hardly ever do we ask our intuition questions and just like, hey, intuition, is this right? And then wait for the answer. You've got to get stillness a lot of times to hear that. And for me, that was one of the first times I'd really had stillness, but I had to fight for that. You know, I had to lock the door. I had to buy a car and, you know, park in a, you know, parking lot where no one could find me. Yeah. So what you were describing, I think it was probably my favorite part of your course that Mike and I did your intuition mastery course. And I think my favorite technique was just making it a game because when things are happy and exciting and, you're not really looking for the results necessarily. It's just fun. And that's when you can really tune in. And I wanted to share one of my experiences, if that's okay. Please. Um, so, uh, yeah. Is this so, a follow your gut day game? No, this is the one where we look for a symbol. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Looking for your because sign, it yeah. just like super manifested and it blew my mind. So the point of that week was pick a symbol and it could be anything. And then you ask your intuition to show it to you. And that's how you know that you're communicating with your intuition. And so I picked a yellow butterfly, which is totally random. And um, two weeks went by and I was kind of bummed. I'm like, man, I haven't seen a butterfly. Like as if I was going to see one in my apartment anyway, it's quarantine. And I'm like, not even outside. (laughs) And I'm looking on Facebook. And my friend who's an animal trainer had a photo of her great Dane with a yellow butterfly on his nose. Oh, and like, oh my gosh, that's my yellow butterfly. And this is a real butterfly, guys. Like, yeah, yeah. Training these butterflies for a commercial. And so I messaged her and I was like, I love this photo so much. And she goes, I literally have 80 butterflies at my oh house my gosh. right now. The job was canceled and I'm trying to look for like reasons to use these butterflies. I was like, can I shoot with these butterflies? (laughs) Can you make my dreams come true? And she's like, oh, you know what? I actually already have a photo shoot planned with these celebrity photographers in two days. Maybe you could just like come. (laughs) I was like, wow. And so I messaged them and they're like, yeah, absolutely. And so I had just bought this corset that looked like Cinderella. So in like a day, I went and got fabric and made a Cinderella costume and then posed with like 
30 live butterflies on me and it was just so wild. And I'm like, there's my butterflies. And I think the funniest thing about it was my intuition was basically telling me patience and then everything will be in abundance. Like just chill out and wait and it'll all come to you eventually if you just relax. (laughs) We have have 80 butterflies coming your way. (laughs) (laughs) They were yellow, right? Like yellow and black? Yellow butterflies. (laughs) So So you can can train a butterfly? Yeah, so what, (laughs) what you do is you basically just get them cold. So when they're in a cold environment, they kind of go into a sleepy state. And it doesn't hurt them or anything. She's very particular about it. But you basically just get them cold. And then when they're starting to warm up, you can place them on the people. And then as they warm up, they start flapping their wings slowly. And you literally have like less than two minutes, about 60 to 90 seconds before they warm up completely and fly away. And you're in a room, so you catch them again. But wow, that's amazing. So anyway, I just wanted to share that was my favorite part of the course was just making it into a game, something that was fun and easy and low stakes, but very rewarding. Yeah, no, I love that part, too. And it's one of my favorite parts also, because I get to hear those stories. And um, like you can use it to get confirmation for things from your intuition, you just to know your intuition is talking to you, communicating with you. Like there's so many ways you can start to like use that tool. Um, but every time I give it out to clients and like use this tool, I start to like sweat and I'm like, what if they don't see it? Um, but I've had the, like, people have told me such weird things. Like, um, one lady was like, yes, I told my intuition, I would like to see a ginkgo leaf. And I was like, I have to Google that. And it was like some tropical leaf. And I'm like, yeah, good luck. Um, (laughs) I hope this works. And then she found one that was like, um, in a store that was like a, a a plate that was shaped like a ginkgo leaf, which is Mm. like, it's kind of rare. Somebody else found their feather sign inside of an old ice cream maker um, somebody else said they wanted to see a white steed, like an albino deer. And I was like, oh boy. And they found it. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, uh, Actually, I have a question and you may have answered this and I've just been a little discombobulated. I did not take your intuition course. So how, yeah. like when you're talking about defining what is your intuition versus maybe how do you identify that that's your intuition versus your ego versus just Mm -hmm. random stuff coming up. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So um, one tool that's going to be great for you, and this, this will go into more detail than I can right here, but I actually have a free toolkit that I'm giving away right now called the intuition versus ego toolkit. And it has an ebook that like gives you a definition of intuition, a definition of ego, how you can tell the difference different energies that they show up in that you'll be able to more easily identify. Um, Then there's like a meditation that you can go into. I call it the tap in tap out meditation because it's just really quick and you can just get an intuitive hit. Um, And then of course, journal prompts um, after you come out of that meditative state. But in short, um, your intuition is housed in your subconscious mind. Um, Your ego is in your conscious mind or your logical mind, the left side of your brain, where you do all the math and all those kinds of things. 
Um, so the, the best example that I like to give from like a science perspective is um, when you're doing a math problem, you have to think about, okay, I'm going to try to solve this problem. Then you've got to think back to high school about all the steps that you learned to go through that math problem. Then you have to work the math problem. And then you finally get to the answer. Okay. There's also a lot of room for error because maybe you missed one of those steps. Maybe you forgot to carry the one, whatever it is. That's kind of how our logical conscious mind works. You know, the things we are aware of. Um, that's where our ego lies. Our ego is always on alert to try to keep us safe. And it really has a limited perspective because um, in your conscious mind, sort of like a computer desktop, you know, you can only see a few files there. Your intuition is like, you know, going into the finder on Mac and you've got like tons of documents, you know, <laughs> but they're, you know, kind of out of sight, out of mind. So in the intuition, um, it's everything's below the surface. It's in the subconscious. I think you all are pretty familiar with the subconscious mind on this show. Um, but basically that math problem, the steps you went through it, your intuition can go through those amount of steps and even more, but in a matter of like three seconds, um, it has access to a lot more data than your conscious mind. Like it can access memories that you can't consciously remember anymore and the lessons you learn there. It can pick up on energy. It can pick up on um, like epigenetics and the DNA memory that you have. It can pick up on fetal memory. So your subconscious mind, your intuition is so much smarter than your ego. And again, it's based in love and expansion versus that limited fear perspective. But in that three seconds, when your um, conscious mind is you know, going through the process, getting you the answer, it pops up to your subconscious mind. But the way it communicates to you from your subconscious to your conscious mind, that's when intuition happens. So it can communicate in four main ways. So you can have like a scene in your mind's eye. Your intuition is trying to get your attention through that. You might have a vision, you might have dreams. Um, it could be hearing in your mind's ear, like I described in my story, there was like words that I consciously didn't think about, but my subconscious brought up in the form of words. It can be in feeling. So maybe you actually physically get a gut feeling, or there'll be some people that are like, oh, I always know when it's going to ring because I can feel in my elbow, you know, <laughs> those kinds of things um, might be chills down your body, that type of stuff. Um, it can also just show up in the way of knowing, like you don't have a process that you're consciously aware of, but all of a sudden you just got the answer to that problem, or you just know you shouldn't go down that street, or you should talk to this person. Um, so that's kind of how the subconscious and conscious mind works. Mm. Intuition is really the bridge between the two communicating in those four main ways. Um, and ego is going to be about playing small, staying safe trying to keep you alive. Intuition has a greater perspective. So it's going to be like, um, you know, you really don't need to worry about that pool of water. I know you almost drowned as a child, but you're an adult now and you can reach the bottom. So let's jump into the pool and have some fun. You know, those, those kinds of things. Hmm. Have you read uh, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell? I have not, but um, I've listened to some podcasts from him and Oprah and yeah, he's, He's pretty smart. I think I know basically the premise of the book, but I'd love to hear more. Yeah, what's the premise, Doug? Well, I, I mean, the premise is basically what Ashley's talking mm -hmm. about, that, you know, Gladwell is a little bit of a pseudoscientist where it's kind of like, mm -hmm. 
he, you know, he can make the point that he, he can make the alternate point that he wants to make with the right set of data. Mm -hmm. Sure. But he does this amazing study in the book Blink about our ability to, and and I think it's probably tapping into this concept of intuition bridging the gap between the subconscious and the conscious yeah where we have the ability to make snap decisions or Mm -hmm. just sort of like that gut feeling that you're talking about and the like the accuracy levels of something that we make a decision on within three seconds we're talking Mm -hmm. about big old decisions should we move here should i buy this house should i marry this person whatever it might be Mm -hmm that statistically it is more accurate to make those decisions in a blink than mm-hmm. it is to crunch the numbers and talk about the pros and cons and make a list and figure yeah. it all out. And as you're talking about intuition, I'm just thinking about that, like, holy smokes, like, I feel like actually might need to read that book and just tell me more about it. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. No, there are good studies about that. And even, you know, they've done studies with people who have, um, you know, taken different tests and things like multiple choice and the people who use their intuition and like that snap judgment did far better than the people that didn't. Um, People who buy a car based on, you know, logic fact and their checklist versus people who buy a car based on their gut feeling they come away more satisfied when they're interviewed months later than the person who did all that research. So there's definitely space for the logical mind to be involved in our life. I mean, it's, it's an important piece, but um, I think the intuition gets overlooked so many times and it has access to so much data. Why wouldn't we pay attention to it? I I know you had to make a plug for the conscious mind, but let's just get a little crazy and say, maybe what if we lived by our intuition instead more, right? And maybe maybe we shouldn't do checklists for cars or, mm-hmm. I don't know, is that too crazy? <laughs> no, that's that's what I do most of the time. I I make decisions mainly based on gut. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's helped me move states. It's helped me find a husband, helped me leave a cult, like, so many things. It also helps me pick better avocados. So like yeah. it's the big stuff and the important stuff like avocados. <laughs> I like that you said the big stuff and the important stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, picking a good avocado is important. I mean, the worst it thing is. is when you cut into one of those and you're like, oh, it was just too uh, brown. Ripe. It's brown green. or it's too green and you can't even get the spoon yes. in there. And you're like, yes. What? Yeah. yeah. Avocado problems. <laughs> Mormons on avocados. Yeah. Um, speaking of this, I just wanted to have one short story here. And I kind of hinted at it earlier before uh, when we were still working out the mercury retrograde issues. But um, so I did a meditation today, which was all about. So I, I guess before I get into this meditation, would you, I mean, intuition could it also be your higher self in a way or is there differences between those in the spiritual community i don't know um there's there's kind of two two ways to look at it so science from a science perspective we can uh study the subconscious mind through psychology you know different research and things um but what we're starting to see with quantum physics is that 
there are theories that we are all connected and um, that different particles can communicate to each other. And particles that can communicate to each other, they had to have been attached to one another at some point in time or another. Um, but with the Big Bang, uh, everything at one point was connected. So there is this theory that through quantum physics, through quantum energy, you can have connection to things that you never would have physically known, your ancestors wouldn't have known, that you're able to tap into that. And so I think when we talk about those concepts, we can talk about it as quantum energy, or we can call that the higher self, or we can call that God. I think that just sort of depends on your um, description of those things. Yeah, and a lot of it might end up being a little bit semantics, but that was a very good description. I love that. Um, and anyone I feel like who works with your intuition or your subconscious or your dreams or whatever, after a while, will realize you're learning things that are beyond you in a way, Yeah, you yeah. know, and collect tapping into like this collective unconscious or mm-hmm. uh, the collective in a way. Yeah. Um, but I did this really cool meditation. So I'm doing a course right now. Um, it's a ritual design program um, by uh, Sid Strabola. She's the same person I do my Kundalini yoga with. Nice. Love Kundalini. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just basically designing your own rituals in the morning, you know, your subconscious response to ritual. Um, and after leaving Mormonism, all of the Mormon rituals, you know, fuck them. I'm, I was just like throwing the right. baby out with the bathwater. Plus our rituals aren't that great in Mormonism. I don't know. Uh, no, there, there's nothing there to really hold on to. So I want to create, but I, so I've done a couple of these 40 day sadhanas with this woman and they've been great. But then once the 40 days taper off, I get back and I'm sleeping in again, you know, instead of waking up at 4.30, like I did during the sadhanas. But I'm like, if I could find a happy medium and wake up at 5.30 or six and then do something every morning. So that's what this course is. Um, but as part of the course, we did a, a guided meditation which was really powerful for me. Um, in this meditation, we went up kind of a mountain to meet our higher self. Mm. And it's interesting because every meditation I've done before this has always been going below ground, but going under a well or yeah, in the water. And anytime I do this, I meet some like feminine, like a spider lady or like they're, they're very feminine personas or people if I see them down there. Well, this one, I start going up the mountain. And when we get to the top, get to the summit and I'm already already like overcome with emotion and just really I'm in this meditation. Now I did this Kundalini yoga before and did ego eradicator and all this stuff. So I think I was in a really good mental spot for it, but um, I'm sitting there and she's like, just think about what you see. And at first I just see like a ball of light and it turns into like a fire. And, you know, in Mormon terms, my bosom's like burning right now. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and then I think I, I feel like that was going to be it, but then she's like, you know what, uh, what's your, trust your imagination, whatever images come up, trust it. And the first thing that happens when she says that is that ball of fire turns into a, a lion. So there's this lion there on top of the mountain. Oh. Yeah. And then the lion transforms, Doug, you'll love this into, into Xavier Rudd. Musician, yeah. <laughs> so those know Xavier Rudd's. Uh, what kind of music does he do? Uh, high high vibrational, beautiful music. I don't know, folk, yeah. <laughs> whatever. 
just good music, good for the soul. So he's there. Soul folk? Yeah. Some? I don't know. And so he's telling me basically, and this the image of a lion's interesting because lions, you know, you think of pride, the pride of lions, and you know, how they just embody pride, but not in a they don't need to brag about their accomplishments. They don't need they just own it. They just embody yeah. masculine, you know, I'm thinking of a lion with a big mane and you know, just just pride. And then it transforms into Finn the Human from Adventure Time, the cartoons. <laughs> and, you know, I'm chatting with him for a while up there. And then at the end of the meditation, they're like, okay, they're going to give you a gift. What gift do they give you? And they gave me two gifts. I don't know if that was cheating or not, but <laughs> one was an alethiometer from, we talked about his dark materials, the compass with the symbols. Nice. Which is basically a symbol for intuition. Oh, yeah. why this came kind of came up is while I was up there, she's like, this is your intuition. You're meeting your higher self, your intuition, and you're always going to be connected to this now. Mm. So they give me an alethiometer and they gift me a Finn the Human sword from Adventure Time. So the reason why I kind of bring this up is that later I was talking about, I had my therapy appointment today too talking this through with my therapist and my intuition knew exactly what I needed in that meditation. Yeah. And my therapist pointed this out when she's like, I was like, Oh, it showed me a lion. I don't know why she's like, wait, 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 hold on. She's like, remember how we're talking about like feeling pride in your accomplishments and allowing mm -hmm. pride, you know, as a Mormon, it was always like pride is of the devil. And uh, yeah. Yeah. She's like, think of a lion. How the, so my intuition knew, hey, you need this. You need to feel pride in your accomplishments. You need to be proud of yourself, but not in a boastful way. And just like, hey, own it, embody it. So it gave me the image of a lion. And then Finn the human is like this uh, teenage adventurer who wears his heart on his sleeve, but also like loves going on, on adventures. He doesn't want to stay in his treehouse the whole time. Right. So like approaching life with fun and adventure. We were talking about that with the intuition. Like if it's fun, adventurous, expansive, he wants expansion. He wants fun, adventure. It was just, it, it was giving me therapy in that moment, in that meditation, exactly what I needed. And it was coming from my intuition. Yeah. And I didn't need to go outside for it. Just go inside and go up a mountain on the inside <laughs> And meet your intuition and see what symbols come up and see what it has to show you. Cause it's probably going to give you a lot of what you need right now in the moment. Mm. Yeah. That's Isn't really it? beautiful. I found that with intuition a lot. Um, sometimes it's hard to connect with your intuition when you just call it intuition, mm. but if you personify it into either your higher self or you let your intuition personify itself, like in those images and things, it's a lot easier to get messages and communicate. And so that's really beautiful. And it sounds like you did that really naturally in that meditation. So I, I sense that you have a really good connection with your intuition. Yeah. Thank you. Powerful. I think I'm getting it back now because there, there's always that, yeah. you know, or, or I'll, I'll, and I think your, your, not only your, your program, they're the, uh, what do we call it? The your course. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Intuition the course we Mastery. Did. Yeah. And then also reading through today uh, in preparation for this, reading through your ego versus intuition, 
really just resonated with me with like, how many times do I, in this whole process of learning to reconnect with myself and intuition again, do I get confused and get fearful and be like, Oh, is my intuition telling me this and, and then get lost in my head. And that's not my intuition. That's my ego trying to intervene and be like, Hey, I'm, I'm your intuition. Look at me (laughs) and imposing, you know, imposter, like, but learning to learning how to trust myself again and what my intuition is, is so important. Mm, That's, that's really beautiful. I'm glad those tools were helpful. Um, Yeah. It, it's a lot when you've been in a cult because that's exactly like, that is the core thing that cults try to take away from you is your access to your intuition because if you lose that, or if you learn to distrust it, then they've got you because you don't have like that center. Um, so it's really understandable that all of us have gone through a cult. Like I've had to relearn how to trust it. But when you do like that's free will, like you're just, you can, you can figure out anything when you, when you've got that tool in your hand. Okay, this is the perfect segue. And I was kicking myself for like the past 10 minutes. I'm like, why didn't I ask her to do this earlier? So here it is. I found Ashley through a friend, uh, another abuse survivor was like, you have to talk to Ashley. And so I went to her website, and I read her ebook on cults. And it was the first time ever that I was like, Mormonism actually is a cult by definition and because she's here like I just had to bring it up because I know so many times I heard that growing up oh Mormonism's a cult I'm like no it's not he's just being rude but it actually is and is there any way or am I just totally putting you on the spot that you could read just like a couple of the things that you wrote on your little mini ebook just for the listeners who maybe mm-hmm. haven't actually heard mm-hmm. the definition before Yes. So let me, I'm actually using a different computer than the ebook is stored on. So let me, let me see if I can do this. Yeah, you can get it. That's fine. And then we can cut out the silence in between. Okay. I just, I totally forgot. Like that was the first thing that I found. (laughs) And I was like, I have to talk to this woman because (laughs) it all makes sense. And she was even coming from a different religion. So it just, I don't know, all the dots connected 10 years after I left the church, I was like, wow, I actually was in a cult. Now I have to, because I'm not on my own computer, I've got to sign up for my own free ebook. <laughs> I'll have to wait till the, till the email comes. You know what? I might have it here. Up, isn't, it still, isn't it on your website still where you can just click on it? Um, it's on there, but you have to put in your email address. Um, so, While you guys are looking for that, mm-hmm. I'll ask, what isn't a cult? Like, so... <laughs> The book I'm reading right now, I mentioned last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, shit, what's the name of it? Secret Teachings of All Ages by uh-huh. Manly P. Hall. And he, inter- he instead of using the word cult, he uses mysteries, like school schools of mysteries, school yeah, of thought, mystery that schools. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's like, what isn't a cult? I mean, I guess Catholicism is a cult, right? Judaism is a cult. Yeah. And hopefully um, I'm, I'm not, because I'm not at my other computer, I'm not able to pull up the ebook in this moment, but that's basically getting to the root of what Shalice was asking. So 
cult by the dictionary is very loosely defined. Basically, it's a group of people who their practices might be a little bit abnormal to mainstream society. And, you know, they, you know, follow a leader. Um, so that's one definition of a cult. And yes, that could fit pretty much anything. Um, but Stephen Hassan, um, uh, Stephen Hassan, he um, is a leading cult expert. He left the Moonies and um, he talks about how there's cults and then there's destructive cults. And that's generally what people are talking about when they say cults, um, high control groups. And so um, <clears throat> I wish I could just pull up that definition there. But like I said, not not at that stage of my computer. But basically the way I look at cults is if there is a group where there's a leader um, really basing everything in power and control. So it's okay to go to, I don't know, Girl Scouts and have, you know, your, what do they call Girl Scouts? Like troop leader, whatever that is. Maybe that's Boy Scouts. <laughs> um, you know, that's not necessarily a cult. But if that leader started to tell you that you have to spend all your time with them, um, if they started to... Um, you know, have different manipulations and abuse happening in that cult. Um, it would be, you know, something where if you decide to leave, and this is usually a big indicator of whether something is a destructive cult, do you just have normal consequences? Like sometimes if you leave a group, like maybe you're not as close to people because you're not seeing them every week or, you know, whatever, or are there punishments? You know, is there a shunning situation? Do they try to pull you back into there or do they try to, you know, um, treat you as other. And sometimes in that process, there'll be some love bombing when they're trying to pull you back in. But ultimately, you know, if you're not of them, you're against them. And so there's that line in the sand. Um, so that's, that's usually a good way to look back and realize, oh, that's a cult, you know, when it's not natural consequences, but more like imposed punishments and distancing. Um, yeah, Oh, you um, got it? I got Go some ahead. of the list here. Restrict and control sexuality, control clothing and hairstyle, mm -hmm. restrict leisure time and activities, uh, shun you if you disobey or disbelieve. Mm -hmm. Is this you from the ebook? <laughs> I just pulled it up on the Stephen okay, yeah, Hassan. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because yeah. a lot of his things I sourced, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Encourage you to spy on others or report misconduct. I mean, I'm just going through the list here and it's like, yes, 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 yes. Mm -hmm. Allow only positive thoughts, thought control, you know, black and white thinking, us versus them. Mm -hmm. It's very cathartic to read, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His whole thing with the bite model is... That's what it is, yeah. Yes. Um, I think it's like thought control. Um, there's four different categories. Is it like behavioral, behavioral control? control? Yeah. Yeah. Behavioral control. Thought control is the T. I think E might be like emotional control. And recruitment too. Oh, yes. Yes. You're either born into it or you're recruited. Yeah. Yeah. And controlling uh, like your education, not your education, your resources, like what you can information. and can't. Yeah. That's the I. information yeah. control. Information restriction. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Holy smokes. Mormonism is a cult. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should go to Ashley Easter's website, ashleyeaster.com, right? And then yes. 
download the ebook. It's only like 15 pages. I read it in maybe 20 minutes, but my mind was blown. Yeah, it's under the the books tab. Um, yeah, you can download it there. Um, yeah, but I, I think it's helpful for people to be able to see those things. And while there's been books and books written about what makes something a cult, like you said, it's only about 15 or 20 pages. And I feel like if you're in a dangerous situation, you need that information condensed Quick. and fast. And then you can yeah. go deeper later, but you know, you don't have time to, you know, read three books to see if you're in a cult. Like, <laughs> <laughs> gotta get out. <laughs> yeah. So I would say actually, if, you're, if you're reading a book saying, if you even have the inclination to be like, am I in a cult? Let me read about it. You're probably in a cult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Sorry, Doug, what are you saying? Well, I, I was just going to say, AshleyEaster.com, what are other ways that uh, survivors or people who are maybe looking at trying to escape, what, how can they find you? Uh, yeah. So basically, I have two sides of my work. Um, I have my activism, survivor work, and then the intuition stuff. So you can find some of my old articles, um, my blog articles on AshleyEaster.com, but I'm transitioning that site to mainly like intuition stuff. But uh, Courage365.org, that is my nonprofit website. And so we do events. We've got a Facebook group. Um, we, um, you know, just offer all kinds of, it's really like a community-based thing. And we also have a need help page on the Courage uh on the courage365.org website. And that gives you like a ton of resources. Like if you think you might be in a cult, um, sometimes it breaks it down into like different types of, you know, cults you might be in, like stay-at-home daughter movement, that type of thing. If you're in a domestic violence situation, sexual abuse, that's, you know, really got like all these hotlines just all pulled together there. Um, a lot of my activism work, I do that on Twitter. Um, so that's just uh, at Ashley M. Easter. My middle name is Michelle. So Ashley M. Easter. And uh, yeah, you can always DM me. My DMs are open. I think uh, as long as you're following me, I think my DMs are open. And um, yeah, we, we host rallies, that kind of stuff to protest abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. All yeah. You're doing big things. I mean, you just had uh, Leah Remini on Alive, didn't you? Yes. Yes. For 30 Days of Courage um, in October in lieu of our in-person conference, uh, Leah Remini, Jonathan Sheck, um, Sarah Ann Mass, uh, Massey, she's a Harvey Weinstein survivor. Um, like all of them were speakers. And then we had some great um, speakers from our community um, that have, you know, worked with us in the past. And uh yeah, we are really honored. I think that YouTube video has like, I don't know, 7,000 views or something, which is like a lot more than our other, <laughs> our other episodes. Yeah. Thanks, Leah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. This has been so great. And I really think this is it's just going to help a lot of people. I mean, yeah. I just think that's, I mean, it's kind of what it comes down to is getting back in touch with yourself, your intuition, getting back in through all the abuse, all the stuff we, you know, went through, you know, if we can get back to that, I mean, there's like an invincibility to it in a way, you know, yeah. we can learn how to trust our own intuition and, you know, and quiet the ego and 
learn to trust ourselves again, you know? I agree. And once you learn to trust yourself, that's when you can stay curious. That's when you can keep asking mm-hmm. questions because you're confident that you can find the answers. So that's when you really expand and grow. Absolutely. Intuition is always based on love and expansion. Always, always. <laughs> Damn, well, girl, thank you're you the so bravest much person I've ever come across. You survived yeah. a like a cult within a cult within a cult. <laughs> Like a wedding a cake, cult. Cult. Yeah. Like yeah. A wedding cake. Yeah, reverse wedding or a, yeah, a regular-sized yeah. wedding cake. But it's just, I mean, this has been kind of, I'm gobsmacked talking to you. It's just, thank you so much. I, I just, I feel sort of unworthy. I'm just sitting here talking to you. Oh, and gosh, like, no. Smokes. We are all worthy, and that's, that's what I have learned through this is just that um, like, I think our intuition knows we, we are all worthy. We all have value and our intuition. I think all of us, our intuition has been a part of pulling us out of toxic environments. And while my circumstances ended up being, you know, fairly extreme. um, Like I, I think, our intuition is always pulling us to, to something greater. And I love that you all are doing this podcast. Um, I love that there's men talking about spirituality and these ways. Um, I just think that's such a beautiful thing. Um, in my background, at least men who talked about spirituality is like about the control, about the rules and your discussion here, you know, with Shalice, you know, it's just very, um, just, just a different energy than the mainstream spirituality leaders. And I'm, I'm just thankful to see men guiding this conversation too. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I'd love to, can I give one little, one little pitch one more time for my, um, okay, cool. So yeah, you can find me on social media where I do my intuition work. That's um, at I am Ashley Easter on Instagram. My activism work is Ashley M Easter on Twitter. And then, you know, you can go to find my nonprofit and stuff. But I created this toolkit, you know, the intuition versus ego toolkit. I mentioned it earlier in the episode. There's a short ebook that helps you understand the difference between intuition and ego and really breaks it down more simply and kind of in binary terms so you can really feel the difference. There's the tap in, tap out meditation and the journaling prompts. The way to get that is if you go on Instagram to my bio, um, there's a link there, or you can just go to ashleyeaster.com slash toolkit and you can download it. Like I want to get this in as many people's hands as possible because like when you know the difference between your intuition and ego, like you have so much power and power was taken away from me. Choice was taken away from me. And now I have my choice and power back and I want everybody else to be able to have access to that internal power. So that's why I've created the toolkit and you can download it completely free with, with love, love, love for you to take advantage of that. Love it. And I mean, I read through it uh, today and it's uh it's short, but powerful. So thank, thank you for you. putting that together. Um, this We can scrub this part out, but like, I just want to know, like timing wise, are you c- coming up with any, o- out with any offerings? I just want to know like timing of release. Cause we've, 
actually done a, quite a few recordings recently, but we can change the order of them to like okay. bump yours up to make it time. If, if you have one coming up, we want to make sure we release this before then, you know? Okay. Um, yeah. So on um, March 14th, we're launching Intuition Mastery again. I'm going to be putting the sales page up soon, but if anybody is listening and they're interested in um, the Intuition Mastery course that Shalise and Micah talked about, um, yeah, just send me a direct message and I'll put you on the wait list. Um, yeah, I, um, I'd i also like to know, like, Shalise, you kind of shared your experience in there. Mike, was there any takeaways from like a male perspective? For me, when, I mean, I had a big thing with the uh, pick a thing too, or like, a, what was that one? The called? symbol. Assemble. Yeah, the symbol. Mm-hmm. Mine was about doing the another sadhana. I didn't want know if I want to do a forty day sadhana again, and I was like, "Hey, yeah. um, all right, I'm in I'm in COVID. I'm not seeing any dresses anywhere. So like, hey, if I'm supposed to do it again, show me some red dresses. If not, show me some yellow ones." And I started seeing red dresses all over the place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um. And then my big thing, a big takeaway was because I think I asked a question of you, Ashley, once because I was worried like there were things that were coming up and I'm and I was like, I, I worry this is my intuition and it's worried about bad things happening. Right. Like, you know, if it's fear based, that's your yeah. ego. Yeah. Not your intuition. Yeah. And does that feel good? It's like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. and that immediately once you said that, I just calmed down, you know, it's like, oh, oh good, yeah. Good. And I realized, and then I could see the separation, like, oh yeah, that's my ego, the little cute little teddy bear, like, oh no, this is going to happen. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> this is like tapping <laughs> to your intuition. And it's just like, it's new. It's like, it's just this calm feeling and it's not with all the other stuff. And so those were my two really big takeaways. And awesome. Yeah. Great. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that. That means a lot to me. I, I love to hear it. Love to hear it. I share an Instagram with Mike and Shalise, but I'm going to DM you and I'd like to do the uh, intuition mastery course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Sounds good. Awesome. Well, thank you. You're the best. That was so awesome. (laughs) Thank you for your patience with all the, you know, Mercury. Yeah. I'm really sorry that I fucked it up. Don't even worry about it. No, no, it's, it's fine. It, just went as it was meant to be. The later things go, the more I get into my intuition because I get a little tired. And my ego is just like going to sleep. So yeah, it's <laughs> better because it goes oh, later. Yeah. So it's perfect. I know it's late in North Carolina. <laughs> All, right. All right. Much All love, right. everyone. All Thank right. you. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to Mormons on Mushrooms podcast. We have so much fun recording it. And if you love it, we would absolutely love it if you could leave a review on wherever you get your podcasts. It would really help our visibility so more people can listen to it and be enlightened and hear our crazy stories. So thanks again for tuning in.